Well, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, that we can say Merry Christmas, right? Because people still have Christmases left. Yeah, I, I have a Christmas today. I've talked to, to several people who still have Christmases left to, uh, to carry out, so that's good. Or uh, obviously, like in two days, we have Happy New Year, so I guess I could say that too. It's just like that weird in-between time, right? We don't really know what to say, but, uh, but uh, we'll just we'll stick with Merry Christmas today, I guess. So uh, I am Alex Culpepper. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Village Church, and I'd actually like to take a second to talk to you a little bit about my job. Um, one of the things that I, so, so you might think, okay, Alex, you're going to talk to me about children's ministry. I would love to talk to you about children's ministry. Actually, that would make me really, really excited, but uh, one of, one of the, the realities of working on a church staff, particularly in a church that's under, say, a thousand, is that everybody on staff wears multiple hats. We all have multiple jobs that we do, and so while I would love to talk to you about children's ministry, I want to talk to you about a different aspect of my job. Uh, one of the things that I get to do here at Village Church is I get to work on something called the eval team. And you might say, Alex, what is the eval team? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. I'd love to tell you what the eval team is. So uh, we are a group of individuals who work together to evaluate how effectively this local church is serving and caring for the people that the Lord has entrusted us with. Uh, so so we, we kind of, uh, we collect data, uh, and, and with that data, we are able to then provide feedback to leaders and elders in Village Church, uh, and, and we also develop uh, problem-solving strategies. So we help come up with some problem-solving strategies uh, overall, just to, to look at Village Church, say this is what's going on, to evaluate it, uh, but then also to, to, to create some strategies. And so uh, it says serving and caring for. So if we could go back, uh, we are a group of individuals who work together to to evaluate how effectively this local church is serving and caring for the people the Lord has entrusted us with. So serving and caring for is like a really big category. Um, so I want to I talk about what we mean when we're talking about serving and caring for. So, so we ask uh, kind of questions like, do people have everything they need to serve in the roles that they have. So, so if, you're, if you're serving in a particular role, if you're volunteering everywhere, anywhere in our church, we're asking the question, like, we know that the, the mission of this church, the vision of this church is carried out through volunteers, through teams of volunteers. And so we're often asking the question, does everybody serving have everything they need to carry out their roles. So we kind of help figure that thing out. We, uh, we, we ask, do we make it easy for people to connect? here at Village Church. That's a thing that we consider. Is it, is it easy for people to connect into the life of the church? We ask questions like, are people being loved well? We're trying to figure that out. Uh, we ask things, we're trying to figure out, is there anything in our systems and ministries that, that people see generally that could work better? Uh, we're, we're trying to get some perspective here. So that's, that's what the eval team is. So now I want to answer the question, how does the eval team work? Well, this is what we do. We start with collecting data. So this, uh, this comes through periodic surveys. I don't know. Uh, some of you may have received a survey back at the beginning of the fall. It was a volunteer survey just to kind of uh, figure out uh, how people were volunteering, where they were giving their time and energy, if they felt like they had everything that they needed. But um, I don't know if you know anything about data collection. Surveys are not always like the most effective way to get the data that you need to get. And so uh, particularly in a church. Um, so, so one of 
of the things that, uh, that we also do is we have a team of interviewers, people that we send to go have meetings with people, and, uh, and they ask a series of questions. They ask questions like, uh, what has kept you coming to Village Church? Uh, what things at Village Church are serving you and your family well? What things do you see that could maybe serve you and your family a little bit better? Uh, if you could wake up tomorrow and change one thing about Village Church, what would you change? Uh, the general idea, so we ask, we ask a lot of other questions, but the general idea that we give all of our interviewers is uh, we, we give them one big goal to dig as deep as they can uh, into the perspective of the people that they're interviewing. We want them to fully understand the perspective and the experience of the person that they're interviewing so we have as much data as possible from that person's perspective that we can, we can understand how, how we're doing, right? We can get the most data that we can. So we collect data. The next thing we do after that is we compile the data. So the eval team meets, we sift through the meetings that everybody ha- has, the, the interviews that people have had, uh, and, and we see what kind of answers were given, and, and we do that to track trends and the answers that were given. So, uh, so some of the answers we get are like really, really good. Um, I, I, I've heard on many, many occasions in interviews that I've had, people saying, nobody, uh, nobody cares for people in the, in the midst of a crisis, like Village Church does. I've heard a lot of people say that. A lot of people have expressed, when, when, when I see crisis happen, when I see uh, somebody's life just uh, all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, it's, things start falling apart, Village Church does a really good job of coming around those people. So that's actually like a trend in the data that we can observe, which is a really, really encouraging thing. Uh, the, on the flip side, uh, we can notice things like, um, so uh, we, we talk to people about volunteering and how their volunteering is going, and we saw a trend that that a lot of people were asking for more training. And so, so with that, what we started doing is we, our, our staff started working on developing video training. We started talking about our training strategies so that we could figure out the most effective way to make sure that all of our volunteers were trained. And so this is, this, the eval team is actually really, really helpful uh, because they help us track these trends and, and identify kind of where, where the, the things are that we need to fix. And that's the third step, really, is strategizing solutions. So we work with leadership to strategize solutions to, to maybe some problematic trends that might arise. So uh, that's, that's how it works. Uh, I think you might be asking the question, why does the eval team exist, though? Because there's a potential fear that you might have, which is, uh, well, that can become a complaint brewing space. And I want to let you know we have some, we have some safeguards against that. First of all, uh, if anybody comes to us and, and they're expressing a, a problem that they have with a particular person, whether it be a ministry leader or something else, maybe somebody thinks like Pastor Michael's a jerk or something like that. Well, uh, if they come to me and say, hey, Alex, I think Pastor Michael's a jerk, I say... I think you should go talk to Pastor Michael about that. Like, I don't know what experience you had with him, but, uh, but this is not here for you to vent your personal issues with somebody else to me. Um, now, 
If I, if I have like five meetings with people and they all say, Pastor Michael's a jerk. Now, I'm going to encourage all of those people to talk to Pastor Michael, but I might myself go and talk to Pastor Michael and say, hey, man, I've talked to five people who said you're a jerk. Now, I want to, I want to ease everybody's mind. Nobody has said Pastor Michael is a jerk. <laughs> He's good. People love Pastor Michael. That's good. Uh, but uh, So that's a potential fear, but, but we do encourage people if they have personal problems, we push them to talk to the, the people that they have the problems with. But complaint criticism, these kind of things come up because of missed expectations. And if people have missed expectations, uh, whether those expectations be right or wrong, or you know, we're not here to make a judgment on that right now, I just want to understand what expectation it was that we missed. I want to really understand the person's perspective, because something that we uh, readily acknowledge in our leadership culture is that this is not a perfect church. In fact, no church is a perfect church. There are always things that can be better. There are always things that can be improved upon. And so, um, so a year ago, Pastor Michael came to myself and, and Haley Versless, our communications uh, manager, and she's actually, this is her last Sunday in her staff role at Village Church. So if you see Haley today, make sure to bigger, give her a big hug, tell her how thankful you are for her because she has done such a great job of serving Village Church. But uh, he came to Haley and I, and, and he said, I want you to start this eval team. And I want to dig down just at the core of why this team exists. At the end of the day, Village Church and its leaders have to account for two questions. The first question is this. How should the local church function? How should the local church function, right? So if there's a body of believers in a particular place, in a particular context, God has a desire for how that church should function. And and the leaders of this church, this church has to be able to account for an answer to that question. The second question that we have to account for is this. How does Village Church align with that ideal? How does Village Church align with that Ideal. So, so the eval team actually exists. The reason we exist is it helps us answer that second question. Uh, we're, we're evaluating, we're having meetings with people, we're trying to understand how does Village Church align with the ideal of how the local church should function. But in order to answer the, the second question, we actually have to answer the first question. So in order to do that, we are going to turn to Scripture. So if you could, open your Bibles up to 1 Peter chapter 4. And we are going to talk about um, some ideals for how the local church should function. Now, before I get too far, um, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, The text that we're looking at this morning, in fact, I I would say that no single text that we would look at could give us the whole breadth of every way that the local church should function. I would not actually have that expectation. But what we are going to look at uh, this morning is that, uh, that... uh, this passage in First Peter does provide a bulk of how the church should function, and that's that's really what I want to observe. So before we get uh, get going, I, I just want to talk about who this is written to. Peter is writing to uh, people he describes as exiles in the dispersion. Now. Um, 
Uh, that, that there's debate about what that exactly means, but, but what we do know is that he's writing to Christians, a whole group of Christians, probably within like a 3,000 square mile area. Very, very wide area. A lot of local churches would be receiving this letter, and he refers to the people who are in these churches as exiles in the dispersion. Um, so, so likely who these people are, or one of the options on the table is that these are people who have been exiled from Rome uh, because of persecution and other things. They have, they have left Rome and gone out into the countryside um, and they're, they're, they're Christians, but they've been displaced from their homes because of persecution, because of other things happening inside Rome. So, so uh, when Paul's writing to these local churches, they're very, very likely transient communities. Communities that are seeing a lot of turnover. Churches, cities that are seeing a lot of turnover in the people that are there. And so, so Peter, he's writing to people who feel as if they're in a place that they don't belong. He's writing to, to a people who are strangers in a foreign land. And that's really what he means when he's writing to exiles in, dis, in the dispersion. He's talking about people who are strangers in the place that they're currently living. So they have all of this turnover. They have um, all, all of this experience of, uh, of just having strangers amongst them. And he says in verse 8, he's kind of ending his letter. He's closing, closing things out in the main body of his letter. And this is what he says. He says, above all, he says, if I could tell you, if I could just get you to get one thing, this is the thing that I want you to get. Above all, keep loving one another. Keep loving one another. Don't stop. Keep pursuing it. So, uh, so uh, the, the idea of love. Uh, Jesus talks about it a lot. Uh, in, in particular, he talks about it in the, in the way that his followers are supposed to relate to each other. So we see in John 17, uh, Jesus is, is, is praying for his disciples, and he's saying, Lord, if you could do one thing, if you could give them love for one another, the same kind of love that I have for you and the same kind of love that you have for me, if they could love one another like that, that would be great. That's his desire. That's his heart for the church, right? And the whole New Testament builds an entire ethic upon this idea of loving one another. So I have a question about being loved. What does the experience of being loved do for a person? Like I want to, I want to figure out why this is so important. So I ask this question: why, What does the experience of being loved do for a person? So um, some examples, maybe. If I'm loved, then my being loved it it actually sets me free to be myself. I don't have to put on a mask. I don't have to worry about what particular people think. If I know that I'm loved then I'm free to be myself. If I'm loved, then I know that people um, forgive me. And that's what, it's, that's what it says, right? It says, since love covers over a multitude of sins. So there's some idea that the people who love me are, are, are willing to forgive me. Now, I'm not going to presume upon that, right? But at least I know that I have people here who are willing to forgive me. What else does love do for me? Love welcomes me. Love provides a place of rest for my soul. You know how, how much I have to work at something when, when I feel like the people around me don't love me? I don't feel protected. I don't feel safe. But, but if I know that people love me, I, I have a place of rest for my soul. 
Love seeks what is good for me. So sometimes, even if I don't like that good thing, right? But, but people who love me are going to seek my good. And so they might even protect me from myself and my own sinfulness uh, because they want to seek my good. Love gives me a place where I can be fully known. And ultimately, uh, love gives me a sense of being at home. So, so, so love provides a place where I am loved. And, and if I am loved here, then this is a place where I can truly feel at home. If I'm loved here, this is a place where I can truly feel at home. So Paul sees the local church. He's writing to these people in the local church. Uh, in churches all around this dispersion community. And he's saying these, these are places where Christians should feel at home with each other. Christians should feel at home with each other. Now this is incredibly ironic considering the people that he's writing to. These are people who don't have a home. These are people who are struggling to find their home. These are transient communities. People who are strangers to each other. And so it's really ironic that, that, that Peter would have a desire for them to be at home with each other. So, uh, so when I was growing up, I'd go visit my friend's house and um, their parents would say something to me like, make yourself at, very good. That's it's a little bit of a ridiculous phrase. I was like, I, I understand it, and you'll probably now never say this to me if I ever visit you at your house. Uh, but uh, but uh, go with me for a second. So, so I have really two main concerns with this phrase. Now, I, I, I appreciate the heart behind the phrase. I appreciate the desire to, to help me feel welcomed, but I, I have a few logical problems with the phrase. Uh, first of all, it's impossible for me to make myself at home if I am a guest. The, the person who has the power to make me feel at home is actually the host, right? The host has all the power to determine whether or not I will be made at home. In fact, being a guest coming into a house, there's a whole lot of just uh, like unwritten rules that I don't know. Like, I, don't know, I don't know what part of the fridge you keep the milk in. Uh, I don't know where, uh, where the glasses are and where the coffee mugs are. Um, I don't, I, there's, they're, they're just a host of things that I don't know. There are like family dynamics at play in this house that I'm not aware of. And so it's really, if I don't know any of that stuff, it's really, really hard for me to feel at home. A second concern I have with this phrase is this. I don't think... When you, say, when you say make yourself at home, I don't think you've really like thought through the implications of what that means for your home. Like you could, you could talk to my wife and she might be able to give you a pretty good idea, uh, but it's not, you, you, you actually might not appreciate it that well because I like, I leave stuff places. I like uh, drink half filled water bottles and then I'll open another one and then leave that one there and I'll leave that one there and I leave the dishes out and I make kind of a mess and I eat all of your food. Like, do you, do you realize like what you're asking me when you say make yourself at home? Because I'm really concerned that you don't, like you haven't thought through the implications of what it means for me to bring every part of who I am, the good, the bad, all the the frustrating, my annoying habits, the full weight of me upon this physical space. Like, have you thought about that? So I'm concerned that you haven't thought it through. Uh, This phrase, it it makes no sense. 
uh, because a guest actually doesn't have power to make themselves at home. It, it, it all depends on how the host responds. So, so if the host is prepared um, for the fact that I might leave stuff in places, then, well, then I'll feel a little bit of freedom then to make myself at home just a little bit more, right? If the host responds to me in the right way, the host has all the power to determine whether or not I can be made at home. So let's go back to love. Let's go back to the church. And let's talk about the power of love to make f- people feel at home. If, I, if I'm loved, if I know that I'm loved, if I have no question about that, and loved means people letting me in on the secrets, people helping me figure some things out here. But if I, if I know that I'm loved, then I can afford to be fully known. My quirks, my brokenness, everything. I can afford to be fully known and not fear. I can be safe here. And so Paul looks at these transient people, these exiles in the dispersion that he calls them, and, and he's saying to them, help one another find home in each other. Find family. He's saying, love one another. Go on, continue loving one another. Then in verse 9, he gives another command. He says, show hospitality to one another. Show hospitality. So we have to figure out what this word hospitality means. So, so Peter uh, is using a, a word here that is a combination of two Greek words. And I don't usually like to use Greek, but I think it's really useful for us in this case. So there are two Greek words at play. The first one is philos, uh, which is this idea of familial affection. We get our Greek word Philadelphia, or sorry, the, 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 the city Philadelphia is named after this word, the city of brotherly love. That's where that comes from. And then the, the other word is uh, xenos, which is a stranger. Uh, and so if you ever heard of somebody being xenophobic, it comes from this word. It's a fear of strangers. So, so if you combine these two words together, that's the word hospitality. And so literally the word is loving strangers as if they're family. Loving strangers as if they're family. Now the implication of this is that these people who are in churches worshiping together all the time, uh, they're, they're, they're spending time together, they're, they're proclaiming the name of Jesus amongst one another, they're gathered together around the name of Jesus. The implication of this word is that they're strangers to each other. They don't actually know each other. If, if Peter's giving them this command... To to love one another uh, like your family, love the stranger as if they're family. What the implication is that the people that they're worshiping with are strangers, that they're often seeing strangers come in amongst them. Now, again, this makes sense considering the context that he's writing to. Village Church, we're in a really unique place where there are a lot of people coming in here. A majority of people in this room, I would wager, have arrived here sometime within the last two years. Um, there are people in this room who are strangers to one another. And that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, love the stranger as if they're family. He's saying, you worship together. You are the body of Christ, but many of you are strangers to each other. So he's saying, go out of your way to welcome the stranger who is among you. Go out of your way to welcome the stranger who is among you. And so then, uh, as he closes out the end of this passage, we're going to jump forward a little bit, but, but he, he says, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what what he's saying is when the church functions like this, God gets a lot of glory. Jesus is made much of when the church functions like this. Okay, so that's like, that's how the church should function. That's one piece of what Peter told us. Okay, this is, this is, uh, there, there are other ideas out there, but I, I just want to focus on these ideas that were given here in this passage. So, question, how does village church align with the ideal? This is the other question that we have to account for, right? So I have some really encouraging things to tell you. Like, I can't wait to tell you all of these things. So, uh, first of all, initial connection experiences have gone really, really well at Village Church. When people come through the doors of our church, in general, people feel incredibly welcomed. They, they feel like people are, are, are taking them, showing them the rope, showing them everything that they need to know. Like, George is there. If George greets you at the door, like, there's no question that you are going to have everything you need for your first visit, Right? So they, uh, they, they, if you have kids, they take you back to kids' ministry. They get you connected with the greeters there. They, they kind of give you all the pieces that you need. And, ge- and in general, the conversations that we've been having have been telling us that initial connections experiences have been going really, really well. Uh, second thing. So people who get invited or know somebody at the church, they're getting connected very quickly. So, so they, they feel brought into the family really, really quickly. They get the sense that, that we are loved and cared for and at home here quickly. And so that is a huge win, that when people are getting invited to our church, they are getting connected. Uh, third, encouragement for Village Church. So I'm continually having conversations with people who feel at home here. Like Village Church, when, uh, when, when longtime Village Churchers identify Village Church, they, they say, Village Church is home. That's our home. That's the, that's the place where we feel like we belong. And so I'm having conversations all the time where people are still feeling like this. People know that they're loved here. They know that they're safe here. They know that they can feel at home here. And here's another really encouraging thing. The vast majority of people who are at Village Church, they, they love their community groups. When people connect into community groups, they, 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 they feel like they find the connection that they need and they're able to establish really, really good relationships. And so these are really encouraging things. In fact, so like we ask this question a lot. What, what one thing would you change about Village Church if you could change something? And like the answer that we get most of the time is that well, we just wish it was closer to us. We wish, we wish like the church could physically move closer to where our house is because uh, sometimes people are coming from like 20 minutes away and stuff like that. But people love Village Church. That's super encouraging. They're great experiences all around. Um, and I can honestly say that like this is one of my favorite things to do, to get, to get to go and hear how encouraged people are by the experience that they've had with Village Church. Okay. So, I do need to burst our proverbial bubble, just a little bit. So, these are all good things. Don't forget about these good things for what I'm about to tell you. So, uh, before, before I, I get into it, I just want to talk to you about the process of getting connected into a church. So, um, let's talk about the make yourself at home illustration and um, how people, how that works for people coming into a church. So somewhere between the six month and two year mark uh, is a decision point for a lot of people uh, where they go, am I still considered to be a guest here 
Or is this actually my home? Am I able to own this space? And that question comes up frequently any time between the six-month and two-year mark. And so people will say, um, if, they, if, they, if they decide, yes, I'm still a guest here, what people will say is that, that I was still primarily treated like a guest. Um, I didn't feel like I could open the refrigerator. I didn't feel like I knew uh, what cups were in which cabinets and those sorts of things. Like, I didn't feel like people were bringing me into this. And so I didn't feel like I could, like, move the furniture around or anything like that. This is the experience that, that people can have. So, so sometime after that initial connection experience, people start to ask the question, is this home? So, Village Church. We self-perceive as a warm and welcoming church. I would say that's, like, that's true in a lot of cases, especially at the very beginning. But, so there, so there are many people here, many people that we've talked to have been attending any time between six months and two years, and they struggle to feel at home. Uh, they didn't really have a major connection to people before they came in. Uh, but they, they just, they showed up. And um, so they, they got those initial connection experiences and that all went really well. But after, after a while, they started to feel like they were still, a, a lot of phrases that people use are like on the outside. I still felt like I was on the outside. I felt like I hadn't been brought in yet. There are people who are still coming here and, and they're trying to find home, but they're struggling to find it. So this is their experience. They walk in on a Sunday morning. This is the church they've been attending for the past one to two years. Uh, and um, you know, people greet them at the door like they're supposed to. They do their job, right? The greeters, the greeters greet the people that they're supposed to greet, right? That's good. That's a win. But then they, they get into the building and, and nobody really notices them. Nobody really says hi to them. Uh, nobody really comes up and has a conversation with them. They kind of just walk through. And then they, if they have kids, they'll take their kids back to the back. They'll kind of get situated. They'll come find a seat in the sanctuary. Sometimes people sit in here and then they're sitting by themselves. Um, they don't have anybody who comes and finds them and, and, and sits with them. And, um, they, and then on top of that, what they observe is they observe so much connection happening on Sunday mornings. Like if you walk into our foyer on a Sunday morning, it is insane the amount of connection that is happening. People are hugging each other. People are having really good conversations with each other. Everything's going really, really well when you observe all of those things, but, but there are people who are saying, no, that's not, I've been looking for that experience, but that's not my experience here. So we're dropping a ball when it comes to hospitality. There are strangers amongst us who don't feel loved or known, and they're struggling to find home here. Now, you might say, Alex, that's what community groups are for. And I would say, you, yes, yes, absolutely. Like the best way to get connected at Village Church is just to jump into a community group. You'll find relationship there. But imagine there are 12 people in your community group. On a Sunday morning between two services, we have anywhere between 450 and 500 people in this church building. Like the possibility, like it's actually like pretty likely that you won't see any of those 10 other people or, or 11 other people on Sunday morning. It's really likely that you could walk in here and not see anybody that you know, even if you're in a community group. Uh, so you might say, Alex, that's what serving is for. 
They, they should serve. You can get connected to people when you're serving. And I'd say absolutely. You can get connected to people when you serve. But, but serving is actually, like serving has a task to it, right? You have a responsibility to take care of. And maybe the first thing on your mind isn't connecting with people in that moment because you're just trying to do your task well, right? So you might say, Alex, but this is a two-way relationship. Uh, they have to, everybody has to give a little bit. And I would agree with you. Like if, if somebody wants relationship, it's on their end to pursue it, right? But the problem is, is that when they come in here, they still perceive themselves as the, as the guest. And they perceive the people who have connection as the hosts. And so, so when the hosts aren't going out of their way to help them feel welcome, that well, they still kind of feel left on the outside. And so while they do have responsibility, people have responsibility to pursue relationship if they want it. There is a perception that there are a group of hosts who um, it's hard to break into. Okay, so that's the, that's, that's the conversations that we've been having. having those are the, the perspectives that we have of people. So I just want to talk to you about if I could like diagnose um, what I think is happening. I suspect two things potentially are happening. Uh, first of all, I think, um, and this is very much benefit of the doubt, but I think what is happening, I don't think, I, I have no doubt in my mind, nobody in here is like, yes, I want to exclude strangers. I don't want strangers to be here in Village Church. I don't like them very much. No, nobody is saying that. I would never, ever think that. But this is one thing that I do think is happening. I think that we assume people are connected based on the fact that they're still coming. I think we assume that because people are still here, because you've still chosen to show up over the past six months, that you've found some connection somewhere. And so I can just trust when I see you, even though I don't know you, that you have connection somewhere because you're still here. And and what, what we've discovered is actually that's not the case. At six months, people are still looking for that connection. Okay, so the second thing that I suspect is happening is that we're often taking the, mo- the more comfortable route and uh, including the people that we're most connected with. That the people that we're talking to on Sunday morning, the people that we're getting together with throughout the week, the people that we're having random, uh, you know, whether it's get-togethers or taking out to coffee or those sorts of things, like those people that we're uh, going out of our way to connect with, like it's valuable to connect with those relationships that you already have. Don't think that I'm diminishing that. But, but I feel like what we're doing is we're taking the path of least resistance and just connecting with the people that we're already connected with. Um, and so that's, that's a general idea of what I suspect is probably happening here. And honestly, I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else. Like the people that I reach out to, I'm getting together with most often are the people that I know, but there are strangers here who are waiting for somebody to ask them to lunch, to, to coffee, to something to just get to know people here in the church. Okay, so that's, that's the, the results of the eval team. Some really, really encouraging things uh, and a little bit of bubble bursting happening. Okay, so, so what? Um, I, the, my first one, this is not optional. So if, you, I, if you've been here two weeks, if you've been here two months, if you've been here two years or 20 years, I'm going to throw a not optional thing out on the table. Uh, I want everybody in here to find a stranger uh, sometime in the next week to two weeks and get to know them. Like that would be a really valuable thing. If everybody said, yes, it's my responsibility to make sure that I connect with a stranger here at Village Church, and maybe it's, this is your first Sunday visiting, 
and everybody in here is a stranger. And so you get, you get a, 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 like, there's tons of options available to you right now. Uh, so, so find a stranger amongst us and get to know them. So, so you might take them out to lunch. You might uh, get their number and plan dinner with them. You might ask them out for copy, coffee. You might uh, have a deep conversation in the foyer. That happens all the time, right? But, but work to regularly find strangers amongst us and show them hospitality. So maybe you have, uh, you're like me and you have a little bit of social anxiety because you don't always know how to approach these conversations and these situations, and I totally understand that. So I'd encourage you, arm yourself with questions. Arm yourself with questions. Uh, so every, everybody's, this is like a, little, like a little trick that you learn. Everybody's favorite thing to talk about is themselves. So if you have plenty of questions to ask people, then people will have plenty of stuff to offer and you can keep the conversation going. But use that to your advantage. And so if you're not good at coming up with questions, I just encourage you, look up get to know you questions on Google. Google that. There are tons of options out there so you can get to know people. But this is going to become a necessary reality because more and more people are coming through the doors of Village Church who are going to be strangers here, particularly as we head into Explore God, where the whole point of Explore God is we're inviting people here who maybe even don't know Jesus uh, to, to, to learn, to hear these questions, to, to, to hear answers answers to these questions, and we, we want to see people come to Christ through that. But part of that is, are we going to be hospitable as a church to, to bring them in? Okay, uh, second, so what? I have five of them, so uh, you, you just have to process with me a little bit, but uh, my second, so what is this? If you're trying to heal from church hurt, I'd encourage you to jump in. So it's, uh, it's really hard to heal by staying stagnant. So if you're, you're showing up here, you've been here a few months, uh, or maybe even not that long, but you're, you're trying to find a place where you can heal from church hurt, the best way to heal is to jump into something that is healthy. Now, we don't have everything figured out here, but uh, what we do find is that a lot of people find healing when they start jumping into to, to ministries, when they start serving, when they start uh, jumping into community groups and those sorts of things. So I'd encourage you, find ways to jump in, take a next step with us. Uh, third, what if I'm not an owner yet? What if I'm not an owner yet? Um, so uh, about a month ago, Pastor Michael preached a sermon on owners, and he talked about how um, the, the different stages of coming in and integrating into a church, that you might start as a tourist, and then maybe you become like a renter, where you, you kind of give, and you give what you get, right? And then owners kind of have to, to take on the responsibility for everything, right? So if the, if the sink breaks, the owner has to fix the sink. They can't call the landlord to fix it, right? And so, so what if you're not an owner yet? Maybe you've been here uh, a few months. Maybe you're just joining us. Uh, we have some really great next steps for you to take. Uh, so you can join our progressive dinner. If you want to see the, the way Village Church connects with each other, go to the progressive dinner. Uh, you can sign up for that in the hub. And this is a, this is a place where, um, so we eat um, together in small groups at people's houses. And then we progressively work towards uh, the last house. And the last house is uh, the dessert house. Um, and we all get together and throw a big Village Church party there. It's fantastic. And um, it's very crowded as well. So anyway, but that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. I encourage you, jump into the Progressive Dinner. It's a great way to connect with people. Um, Explore God. Um, we have discussion groups for Explore God that you can jump into um, where we're going to deal with these questions. And so you can sign up for that, vcob.org slash hub. And also the Next Steps uh, class will be uh, on January 
26th, January 26th, oh sorry, January 20th, the next steps lunch from 1230 to 130. That's a really good place for you to come and just learn who is Village Church. So if you're not an owner yet, but you're trying to figure out what that looks like, those are some next steps that you can take. Uh, Fourth, so what? Do you want to meet with the eval team? Do you want to offer your perspective? It's our goal, actually, to meet with everybody in Village Church within three years. And so, so we have a list of everybody who is, who is resident here, whether you're a, a regular attender or, or a member. We have a list of everybody, and we're working through that list. But maybe you'd like to pop your name up to the top of that list. You can sign up on the Hub. There's a place to sign up there in uh, Signups and Announcements, that tab on the Hub. And then finally, number five, Village Church. We need to keep doing what we do well. Um, so those encouragements, that, that, the fact that people are still finding home here, the fact that we love each other so much, the fact that people call this place family, like those are all really good things, and we need to continue investing in those things. Uh, I'd like to share a quick story with you. So um, in one of the meetings that I had, um, a person expressed to me, we, we were actually getting ready to leave. Um, we were going to go to another church. Um, they had been here for about a year. Uh, because what they f- experienced was we were on the outside. We were on the fringes. Nobody brought us in. Um, and right before, they were, like, they were literally getting ready to leave the next Sunday, to go to a different church the next Sunday. And right before that, there's this group of people who just kind of randomly get together and kind of go out once a week uh, together. They, and this is not an organized thing at Village Church. It's just this group of people who get together. And, and the week that, that this person was getting ready to leave, they reached out, said, hey, would you like to join us? Would you like to, to come with us? Uh, and, and, and that person has now been in that group each week, uh, every week from there on out. Um, and what, what they found was, because somebody reached out to me, it actually helped me stick around because somebody cared enough about me who saw maybe that I wasn't as connected as I should be. They reached out and they helped to bring me in. So Village Church, this is a reality resident within the heart of our church. This is something that I know, I, I know we want to see people connect here. And so I'd encourage, yeah, we have systems, we have community groups, we have these structures that people can get into, but, but I encourage all of us to take the responsibility on ourselves as well to become owners at this place and to welcome the strangers who are amongst us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, you, you've welcomed us. Uh, even though we were enemies, Lord, you sent your son to die for us, that you might bring us into your family. Lord, I'm so, so thankful for a family like Village Church that you have provided for me, for my family. Lord, I know that that my family has been so tremendously cared for by this body, and I am so thankful that you would offer us this body, this group of people to love us. Lord, I I pray that you would lay it upon our hearts to connect with the stranger amongst us, whoever that might be. 
Lord, in the next two weeks, that we would take, make some effort to connect with somebody that we don't know, to get to know them, to bring them in, to pull them into something. Lord, that, uh, so, that, so that ultimately you might get glory. Lord, because when people connect together, when your people love each other, we know that you get a ton of glory. So Lord, we ask that, that you would just give us this heart, give us this awareness, and Lord, help us to pursue you in the midst of this. Father, um, as we head to communion, I pray that you would help us just simply reflect on the amazing ways that you have loved us, that you've shown a hospitality to us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.